Welcome back, guys. Uh, we are joined today by a guy who has roots, and obviously he was born in Ireland. He has roots in Iran and Iraq. His name is Neil Yadolahi. Very pleased to be here with him today to speak about his career. Um, has a lot of experience playing with the youth national teams of Ireland. He was called up to the Iraqi national team and also briefly to the Iranian national team. How are you doing today, Neil? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. So, obviously, for those who don't know, Neil, uh, a lot of his career he spent in England, but also he was in America as well for for a little while. Speak to me about your, first of all, about your, your family. That's what we really want to know about. What, what about your Iranian life? What kind of what kind of um, closeness do you have with your Iranian culture, etc.? Yeah, so um, I'm uh, Irish born to an Irish mother and uh, Iranian Iraqi father. Uh, so my father, uh, his parents, so my grandparents are Iraqi and uh, all my family are, um, my father included, uh, is Iranian. Uh, they all to this day live in Tehran. Um, they um, emigrated from uh, Baghdad. Um, to Tehran and they're, they're still there to this day um, so um, Iranian Iraqi kind of heritage yeah um, which obviously allows me to play for either country um, but yeah growing up um, an Irish mother to an Iranian father um, had a good education in football and new football in, in, in Dublin in Ireland playing for uh, one of the best teams uh, at youth levels uh, at, at schoolboy uh, as they call it, um, and that kind of got me attention. Uh, uh, under 15 level, I, I played for the Republic of Ireland uh, uh, national team, which is the first age in the youth national teams, um, which was a big honour for me. And, you know, 15, that kind of playing at that kind of big stage got uh, a lot of interest from from UK. Uh, normally, most of the players at 15, 16 uh, get a lot of uh, interest from over, over across the water. Um, Irish lads so um, look it was my it was my dream as a kid growing up it was all I ever did was kick a ball against the wall morning to night and you know it was my my uh, my dream uh, as, as yeah. a kid growing up it was uh, my childhood dream and um, when I finally got um, uh, an offer um, it was look a dream for myself and my family um, mm. especially my father who who came obviously? He came over to Ireland in two thousand. Oh, Jesus, sorry, about thirty years now. Uh, he must have been twenty-five, I think he was. Um, thirty plus years ago now. Um, and yeah. he's never looked back since. But he was great and very instrumental for for me getting uh getting uh my move across to England. He brought me to every training session, and um, you know, uh, I think it was a uh, bittersweet as well when when um. When I finally got a, a decent deal over in England at 16, and um, yeah, never really looked back since then, really. So obviously, obviously, you said your your parents and your mum's from an Iraqi back. Your mum's Iraqi. Your dad's obviously from Iran, but he was he went he moved from Iraq to Iran. Uh, talk talk to me about being like a an Iranian Iraqi living in Ireland. Was there kind of any any feelings of you know? You know, did you feel Irish? I mean, obviously you're born in Ireland. I, I'm the same. I was born in Scotland. 
of, of Iranian parents. But what, what was your feeling in terms of your nationality, how you felt within Iranian, Irish schools, etc.? Well, I suppose cause I'm born and bred in Dublin. And like I said, my mum, she's Irish. She's from Dublin. So yeah, yeah. Um, it, I think that was like obviously uh, a big help. Uh, I know a lot of people who... Uh, who weren't born in Ireland, for example, and uh, have come over from Iraq and Iran. I think they and who have parents who are both Iraqi or Iranian, and I think it's probably a bit tougher for them to settle in. Like, but me having an Irish mother and, and growing up and being born in Dublin, it was it was it was absolutely fine. I mean, I, I had a brilliant childhood. I, I had brilliant friends around me, great school, and uh, was quite lucky in that sense. Um, that you know, I, but growing up, yeah, like I mean, I had the the, the 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 second name which was quite awkward for Irish people to pronounce and you know I, I'm not very Irish looking at all because I'm very dark featured <laughs> and I take after my dad in that sense but I suppose as I got older I, I think I became more kind of I suppose proud to to have the root image from my father's side and you know as you say normal is boring and you know it's nice to have a little something in in you as well like you know and like I said it's uh, I, I travelled to Iran for the first time in January ever, and you know I was blown away by the amount of family I actually really have um, mm. over there: uh, aunts, uncles, granny, granddad, cousins, and extended family as well. And you know I come from a small family it's myself, my bigger brother Stephen, and a mum and dad, and, and and that's really it. So to I kind of grew up kind of not knowing my family in Iran and never met them. And, you know, I think meeting them finally in January was a, was a very eye-opening. Like, you know, it's something that I was kind of overwhelming to, to meet them. So it's yeah. uh, it's probably still something I'm getting used to in a way, like, you know. And uh, Neil, do you speak any of the languages at all? Arabic, Farsi, etc.? Uh, look. I'm not fluent. I'd I, I know a few words here and there in Arabic and in Farsi as well. Like, and you know, it's just I think growing up, growing up as a kid with my dad who who speaks Farsi and Arabic uh, right. fluently every single day. He'd be on the phone, and then his friends, and that would be both Iranian and Iraqi. So I think I picked up quite a bit like growing up as a kid and that. But I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'd be fluent in 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 their languages. You know. So. Right. Do you have any? Uh... Uh, any uh, per- per- Iranian foods that you really like, for example? Um, I think it's a korma sabzi. Korma sabzi, okay, very good, very good, very that's good. That's the one, Popu- yeah, that's popular choice. Yeah, that's the one that uh, the whole family love. Uh, my mom included as well. So yeah, that was probably the the one dish that stood out for me. I think. Excellent. Okay. Um. So about your football career, obviously. Um. So what I can see, you started your your career at Saint Kevin's Boys in Ireland, yeah. and then you moved to Burnley U23s in England. Um, how was that transition? Um, yeah, so like Saint Kevin's Boys was the local kind of schoolboy club that I played with uh, back home in Dublin up until I was fifteen, and uh, once I started playing for the, the under fifteens international team of Republic of Ireland, it kind of got me a lot of interest from uh, abroad. I'd been on various trials in England, and um, Eventually signed for uh, Burnley, who were in the Premier League at the time, managed by uh, Owen Coyle, uh, and signed a, a four-year deal, which was uh, security, safety, and a, and a nice long contract, you know. And yeah. I had a couple of offers from um, a few other clubs, uh, Reading, West Brom, had come in as well. But 
Um, at the time, Burnley were in the Premier League. They were just being promoted to the Premier League and there was a good buzz and I got a good vibe off the, the chairman and, and the manager who brought my parents over. And look, at 16 to be given a four-year deal, it's not really heard of, especially back then. So I kind of snapped their hand off, to be honest, you know. Yeah, of course. And then, obviously, that, that, that lasted for a year, a season. And then you moved to Derby. I was at Burnley for four years. Oh, okay, four years. Oh, yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm reading the wrong yeah, 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 so you were there until 2012, and then you moved to, to Derby after that. 2013, I moved to Derby. Right, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah. There, I'm getting the wrong information on this website. <laughs> sorry. So, yeah, you moved to Derby depends, in 2013. It depends where, you, it depends where you're reading. There's all I mean, sorts of... I'm really going transfer market. So the transfer know. market, I suppose, could be a bit misleading. I think it's right. not very updated. Uh, uh, we'll, I guess we'll let the master tell us what's going on. Right yeah, <laughs> look, the guy experienced this. I'm I'm used to it. Don't worry, but it's one of them. I think them websites can be accessed by any anyone behind the computer. Yeah, they screen. can be edited as well. Yeah, yeah. so I, I really okay. wouldn't too too much into it. Okay, so you you did you moved to Derby afterwards? Yeah. Uh, signed a one year uh, playing for Derby County who were in a championship at the time very big yeah. club uh, unfortunately I, I had a good four years at Burnley don't get me wrong uh, was in the first team at 17 uh, but I, I think the sour point being at Burnley was in the four years I was there I played in the four different managers so it was very right. kind of stop start you know not just for myself but for, for the whole for the whole bunch of lads that were on the team there so Look, it, it was a great experience, a great first step in professional football, and look, I have great memories there, and I, I really like, you know, love my time there. Fantastic club, very welcoming, very homely club, and then look, it's like football: one chapter closes, another one begins. And mm. um, Derby were flying high, you know, a big club, and I went there, uh, hoping, I suppose, for a fresh start. Uh, Nigel Clough was a manager at the time, and. Unfortunately, I spent most of my time there on the treatment table. It wasn't a great experience, uh, football terms, uh, being at Derby. But look, that's part and parcel of football. So, yeah, I'm not the only one that has suffered injuries down the years as well. So, um, And then I'm right in saying that you moved to Bohemians and then Drogheda United in the Irish League. Um, I left Derby County in the January and signed for a Turkish club called Budgespor. Right, which- okay. It was a two and a half year deal I signed, but I only spent six months there due to uh, payments that weren't paid on time and a bit of messing around. But uh, it was a short stint there. It wasn't very a happy part of my career. And I returned home to play for uh, Bohemians in the Irish Premier League, which are quite a big uh, historical club in Ireland and a uh, great fan base, great club. And spent a short time there. And what was the reason for this? Why were you getting injured so much? What was the reason? Do you know, was it just a bad luck or did you have a... a, a it's, something? Look, it's it's like saying how long is a piece of string. It's it's, yeah. it's it's one of them. Like, no one likes to be injured. It's just mm-hmm. part of football and, and being right. a sport. And, yeah, look, I, I would never label myself as having bad luck, although a lot of players would. I mean, it's not... It's part of football. I mean, I wish I never got injured and... I, I wish I I had a lot more kind of games to show for for myself, but look, that's football and mm. injuries is part of it. And the more you kind of look into injuries, the 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 more likely you know you are to have more setbacks. You know you need to kind of stay positive, especially during those times. Um, yeah. they were 
serious enough injuries as well at the time and these things as well. It's like it, it's all individual and in how your body responds to being injured and how how it reacts to the treatment and the and the rehab. You know, so it's it's it, it is. Look, don't get me wrong. It it can be a very daunting and uh, tough period when you're injured. Like you know, being in being in the gym every day, stuck with physios and strength and conditioning coaches and looking at the lads train. It's, it's never easy. Like you know, it's never nice. It's part yeah. of football again, and and you got to kind of accept that. In, in, a, in a sport like you're playing like especially at that top level so and then you moved to the States you moved to Vancouver Whitecaps uh, actually yes. that, that, that's a team that um, fellow Iranian footballer uh, Betashur you played for as well recently but what was that like obviously you, don't, you didn't feature in any matches but no so again injury struck when I was there so unfortunately it was a great experience a short uh, spell again but look Unfortunately, an injury happened there as well, and it kept me out for a period of time. And unfortunately, I didn't have really a chance to get back into the team and, and play. So, um, but look, it's uh, a lot of Iranian people in Canada as well. Um, yeah, great club and a great league. I think it's still improving as a league. The MLS is getting stronger, and a lot of big name players are playing there every year. It's getting like yeah. the caliber of players are improving as well. So. Again, an experience uh, in my career, and I'm sure, like you know, there'll be many more. Of course. Uh, so we'll move on to the sort of the, the the part where people would really like to know about your national team experiences. Obviously, uh, just from this website, I obviously, I mean, this might be very uh, misleading, but just from this, I can see that you've they've said that you've played 21 games between U15s and U21s. Is that kind of and a good estimate. I'd imagine so. That would be yeah. about right. You know, I've played every level anyway. Yeah, so every level 20. from U15 to U21s for the Irish um, national teams, and then you also uh, got called up to the you got called up to the Iraqi national team. Yeah. So well, I got called up to the Iranian one first uh, right. during my time for Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, my agent at the time was uh, the agency was based in Los Angeles, America, and. Uh, one of the guys involved was a fella who was Iranian, a Canadian Iranian, and uh, I think for the previous 12 months they were asking the question: "Are in FA would I consider playing for Iran?" And I said, "Look, because I just finished playing on the 21 level for Ireland, I didn't know where my future lied, and mm-hmm. it was just something like that was asked of me, and I never said no to it, but it was one of them that I didn't look too much into at the time, and um." At the time, Carlos Keres was the manager who obviously knows a lot about England, spent a lot of time of his managerial career as the number two to Alec Ferguson at Man United. So, like, you know, he's a great guy to to kind of be in demand of, of your services. And he made the, the call a few times to see if I would be interested. And um, I eventually agreed to go to a training camp in Doha. It was... Uh, 28-man squad, I believe it was. It was four or five days in Doha. It was, again, I hadn't made a, a, a formal kind of way of deciding to play for which national team. It was just an invite. I accepted it. And uh, I think ever since that kind of call-up, there was a lot of teams straight away from the Middle East, particularly uh, in the Persian Gulf League, that took a, a, a massive interest. And I've always said that I would like to experience playing in Iran because I, I 
you know, I know a few of the teams. I know a couple of players have played over there. And um, it was just something that I said I would like to tick off, you know, in my career. And I think now, unfortunately, the last few years especially, it's been tough um, for the league itself. And it's not very uh, secure in terms of being paid on time and getting paid all together your your lump sum and mm-hmm. when when you have those notes as well it, it's it's not very it doesn't paint a great picture uh to to go over there and it's not a, really an attractive prospect going to a to a league to a country that first of all you don't really, you don't speak the language and not having security of getting paid when you should be getting paid and and yeah. and so on and um i also obviously yeah i went to uh got an invite through the grandparent uh rule i got uh invited to the Iraq national team. The manager of that team was uh, Radish Nashal. And again, it was a question I was asked uh, down the line. And I went again. I, I never made a commitment to either national team. And uh, I said I'd go. And it was a good experience. It was uh, I travelled out to um, the north of Iraq um, to, again, a training camp Um so um, I travelled with uh, a couple of English players who were playing in England, Yasser Kassam and Shwan Jalal, um, yeah. who played in England. And we uh, travelled together and, it was, look, it was a great experience again. Uh, we went to Erbil for a couple of weeks and during uh, the off-season, it was when the season finished, uh, June time, and uh, extremely hot, as you can imagine. But, um, again... Uh, the Iraqi, uh, just like the Iranian supporters, they're, they're football mad. They're, they love, uh, especially players who, who kind of, you know, have a background of maybe European born and Iranian heritage or Iraqi heritage. And look, it was a great experience and one that I'll always remember as well. Mm-hmm. And just just going back to sort of when you were called up to the national team of Iran by Carlos Kirosh, that, that was in 2017, am I right? Or 2018? Uh, no, the Iranian one was 16. 2016. So that that was that would have been uh, just after the Asian Cup, and that was if, for people who know, that was an era where sort of centre backs, especially Iranian centre backs, were kind of lessening, uh, particularly due to age. We were losing, uh, we're not losing quality, but we're losing sort of the, the sort of legs. You know, we had Jalal Hosseini, who was the captain of the national team. He was a little bit older. He retired uh, last last year. Um, Montazeri, who obviously was kind of coming to the end of his career, we were having younger guys like Prati Ganji coming through. But you're obviously it's not surprising that he went after someone like yourself, a centre back who's playing in Europe or playing in a foreign country from a for, from obviously from Ireland. So it's not surprising. But what what was his? What, did, did did he have anything to say to you that that sort of stuck with you in that time? Well. Uh, it was 2014. Now. It was actually five years ago when they first made the contact. And uh, look, uh, it was actually assistant at the time, uh, Omid Namazi, who uh, yes. first got in touch and spoke to me. And uh, again, uh, American Iranian, and look, had a lengthy conversations with him a few times myself and the agent at the time. And look, it's one of them. Like you know, I've nothing but respect, especially for Carlos Carreras. You know, he was always. Uh, very nice to deal with and speak to and you know a man of great experience and yeah I mean his um, his philosophy and his kind of interest and what he wanted to do for the national team was to really bring players who were born in Europe and played in Europe who had the either grandparents or the parents that you know were Iranian and he really 
Um, he believed so, in that. Yeah, yeah, he he really focused, and that was a message he got across to me that he really wanted to bring players like myself into the national team. You know, who we were playing at a level in the Euro- in the European level, or playing in top leagues, and who played in England and and and, and whatnot. So uh, that was the message that was kind of laid across straight away to me. And uh, look, uh, I think Iran have benefited massively from that. Like, look at Deja Gaal from Germany. He he was one, and um, just a few Good. others of course Good as well. as well. Kuchina Jad, yeah, yeah, yeah. He again was great for Iran as well, and yeah. there were a few more as well that had kind of uh, beta sure as well. There was a few that had made the same kind of mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of journey, like you know, being born in Europe or playing in Europe, and uh, you know, being uh, called to the national team. And look, that's part of I think a lot of not just Iran and Iraq are doing that, but a lot of other for, uh, foreign countries in in the Gulf regions in Asia are doing the same thing, you know, because it's Absolutely. quite, it's, 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 it's just quite, you know, known as like leagues in Europe and that are a lot stronger probably than, uh, than yeah. that's not a spectacle, you know, but that's just how it is, you know. No, absolutely. And I think if you look at that time when Kairos was in the national team, when he just joined in, 20, in, I think it was 2011, there weren't many Iranians that were born in Iran playing in European leagues anyway. So, there had that had to happen, and then I think when, when what you're saying is now, like obviously you're saying that the, Iranian, the European leagues are much stronger than the Asian leagues. That's, that's obvious. We all know that. But now you can see there's so many Iranians that were born in Iran going into Europe now, and, and that's kind of that's something that you, maybe you you and also Dejaga and all these players were pioneers in sort of showing these these Iranians that this is where they should be playing, and I think that's kind of a really really good. Um, example that Kairos set for Iranian, for Iranian footballers. Um, so, sort of, uh, just last question I want to ask you is: um, you had interest from uh, Persian Gulf Premier League uh, clubs, Persian Gulf Pro League clubs. What what was yes. that all about? What was that all about? So, ever since the interest uh, from uh, going to the national team. You know, the, a lot of interest came in from Iran, like, you know, and I, I always said, like, at the time, especially when I, when I even looked into it, it was no disrespect to the clubs. I mean, the money I was being offered was, was, was very significant as well. It was big, big money that was, you know, put in the contract to me. But it's, the timing wasn't right at the time. I think a couple of years, two years ago now, there was one club that I had held talks with and had come to an agreement to go over. But unfortunately, that club was... Uh, they had a transfer embargo at the time, and uh, it never worked out in the end. Um, but look, I, I think now the big thing for Iranian teams as well, uh, there's been contact over this summer as well about potentially going over. And, you know, it, it's something that I said I would do, but it's got to be the right circumstances. And I think the... Again, no disrespect to the Iranian league, but I think we all know that the country is going through a difficult time in certain aspects and the security of getting maybe your salary is not guaranteed and never is really guaranteed. And that's something that, again, that, you know, it's just, it's just a given that when a player signs a contract, he should be paid on time. And, uh, it's one of them that's an ongoing discussion as you, know very well and a lot of players who go over their foreign players are kind of left in limbo about even if they will get paid and it's uh it's a, it's a, it is tough like it really is tough and um 
unfortunately that's that's part of a of a I suppose the the league over in Iran at this moment in time, you know. I think certainly uh, there are clubs now who've improved with that. Uh, for example, Estelle uh, Perez was the two big clubs, but I think also Tirado Sazi and the club in Tabriz um, have kind of improved. They obviously got Anthony Stokes um, yeah, last exactly. season, so yeah. and he and he he only left because of I think it was personal issues. But um, I think yeah, they're improving. So I think. I think there's always the opportunity for you to go abroad, to go to Iran, but you know, obviously they're the lower, you know, the sort of lower ranked teams, they're not, they're not the most reliable. So I get what you're saying in that respect. Um, what was I going to ask you? Yeah, final question. Uh, so just this is actually this is a real final question. Are you, would you ever be interested in playing for Iran ever if you were to get called up? Like let's just say if you were you were to get. Um, now you're 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 saying you're playing you're training with Bolton, is that yeah. right? Yeah, and then obviously yes. if if you were to play regularly for a club, would you be able to? Would you be, be you know, interested in playing for Iran? I definitely would. Yeah, like I mean, it's part of me. Iran as a country, like it's my father's country, and all my family live in, live in um in in Tehran. So um, like I said, it's uh, if that opportunity did come again, like you know, it would definitely be something that would be fantastic opportunity and like you know I know for a fact it would uh, bring a lot of happiness to the Iranian supporters so yeah I would definitely wouldn't rule it out but again it's uh, it's something that may never happen or may happen who knows like football is a strange world fantastic and what's what are you doing now what's what's your plans just now um at the moment um so I had uh the last injury I had was last year it was an MCL injury uh, so I'm just literally back training full time now and uh, just literally deciding what's best next to do. Like so, uh, free agent at this moment in time uh, and literally just uh, going through what's best to do for the next move. Excellent. Thank you very much, uh, Neil, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate you just taking your time to do that. Um, if you guys want to. Uh, how, how can they find you on so you got social media that they can follow you on yeah so the only social media platform I do use is Instagram, uh, Instagram. so okay so yeah follow Neil on Instagram make sure you if you if he goes to that club make sure you follow him and we will definitely keep you guys posted about his career thanks very much Neil cheers mate thank you